this content triggers you, you'll never survive the end times. I am finally back providing this content to you on the channel, and it is so good to be with you once again. The CDC is finally getting honest with its lies. The government gave us a taste of socialism. What do you think? And passing gas is a new commodity. Where is the world headed? It's a crazy news cycle. Plus, we're going to talk about the four-letter word that can change your life, which people believe is actually a four-letter word, but it's not. We're going to talk about the value of work. Welcome to your favorite night of the week. Once again, the deep end on Tim Hatch Live. I don't know. I don't know if it's too late to wish you a happy new year, but I'm wishing you one. Anyway, let me know in the comments below where you're watching from. And if you trust this content to be good before you watch it, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button and hit the notification bell so that you can get notified on your smart device. Whenever we go live, I'm Tim Hatch. This is youtube.com slash Tim Hatch live. And I'm so glad that you are here with me for episode 14 of season five on the deep end. And you're in for a special treat this week as we have not just the deep end tonight, but the deep dive tomorrow night. Make sure you tune in because we're going through Romans chapter six and it is a life giving life changing passage. So I will see you tomorrow night as well. And I'm, I'm back. I am back. And it's so good to be back. You know, I went on vacation. Before that, I was sick with COVID. Yep, I got the Rona. I got the Omicron. Uh, it was a very mild version of the flu for me. I recovered. I lost my sense of smell, but I recovered well. I um, took the deer paste. Yep, full disclosure. Well, there goes the video. Goodbye, YouTube. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I was totally fine within 24 hours of taking that medicine. Uh, and... 
the last part of the uh, last year was pretty bad for me. I had this non-COVID sickness where I got seriously congested in my head. Uh, recovered from that, was fine for like four days, then got COVID, and then recovered from that, and then went on vacation. And I think God scheduled COVID for me between uh, when my work ends for the end of the year, New uh, Christmas Eve, and when I went on vacation at the beginning of this part of the first part of the year, and then they cut the CDC cut the guidelines down to five days of isolation. So I isolated for five days and I, I went on vacation. Thank you, CDC, for changing your rules right before I go on vacation so that I didn't have to isolate and skip my already paid for vacation vacation in the Florida Keys. And I just want to put a picture up here of one of the days that we were in the Florida Keys. We went to the Key West and we saw the sunset and that's what we saw. And it was absolutely beautiful. And I can't tell you this enough history, this stress is enough. Get yourself to the Florida Keys someday because it's amazing. Uh, beautiful waters on all sides. Uh, incredible food options all up and down the Keys. Uh, plenty of activities, fishing, boating, kayaking, whatever, uh, not expensive, no passport required, no plane ticket required. If you're, if you want to make the drive, it was amazing. And you know, views like that. So what else can I say, but I am rested. I am back and I am happy to be healthy for the first time in like four weeks. And it is good to have you guys again. Let me know where you're watching in the comments below. So, uh, we got to get to an, an old segment, old friendly segment called Ridiculous News. Watch this. Ridiculous. When I was 12 years old, and this is a true story, and this is going to reveal a lot about my character as a preteen. When I was 12 years old, for Christmas, my parents got me this um, dual deck uh, player recorder I don't remember the name of it. I wish I should have looked up the name of it before the show. But anyway, you had a microphone, you played your favorite song, and then you sang to it, and then you recorded you singing with the song onto the second deck tape. Does anybody know? Let me know in the comments if you know the name of that device. It was a real popular device around Christmas time in 1987 or whatever. Anyway, never really used it to sing songs. No, I was a 12-year-old boy. So what I decided to do was I decided to make a fart tape. <laughs> And I'm not kidding. I made a fart tape. I took the microphone and I recorded farts one after another into the uh, boom box. I had at least 15 to 30 minutes of pure farts <laughs> one after the other. It was awesome. It's what 12 year old boys would do with a microphone. And uh, that's the kind of kid that I was. But what I didn't know was that one day there would be a market for my farts. I didn't know this, and maybe you don't know this, but this is what ridiculous news brings us today. Stephanie Mato, a YouTube personality on the left there on your screen, claims that she has made fifty to a hundred thousand dollars selling her farts in a jar. And fifty thousand dollars in one week, she went and upped the price the next week and made even more money. The thirty-one year old YouTube personality who identifies as bisexual was on ninety day fiance and uh, that was her lesbian partner on the right there on 90 Day Fiance. Uh, she has turned profit from her gas passing. She is selling her farts. First first batch, $500 a fart in the jar. And gosh, I have another kid's uh, teenage story <laughs> this for myself. It is possible to store your farts. I don't know if you know that. You know, remember the legs, pantyhose eggs one time to play a prank on uh, someone in my church, I farted in one of those and gave it to him as a gift and he opened it up. 
<laughs> the rest was history. Anyway, um, yeah, I should have sold it to him. I didn't realize. Anyway, uh, this woman is pay having people pay $500 to receive her fart in a jar in a mail. Talk about cutting the cheese <laughs> in, in two ways. One of one of her jar now one of her jars of heart sells for a thousand dollars, and uh, she's made over a hundred thousand dollars in total. And don't bother judging her because she basks in both positive and negative attention. This is our world. This is where it's going. This is getting cray cray. <sighs> where will we be in ten years, my friends? Where will we be? What will we be selling? What will we be selling in ten years? I I shudder to think. Anyway, let's get into the real deep end news. Deep end news. News and views that don't make us news. All right, the deep end news today is that lawlessness is in style. Remember when Jesus said this about the last days? He said in Matthew 24, verse 12, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. And ever since George Floyd's death, that has happened in our country, uh, ever since, you know, we redefined marriage, um, redefine, and now in the process of redefining gender and uh, biological sex and science, because now science has to follow our feelings, not the other way around. Uh, lawlessness is increasing. Because when, when, when you remove the foundation stones, right, of a society, foundation stone being marriage, one man, one woman, uh, when you remove the foundation stones, biology, science, uh, gender and sex being the same thing, when you remove the foundation stones of those pillars of what make us a human race, uh, what make us a civilized society, all bets are off. Every other law can then be deconstructed to our own demise. That is what's happening right now. Lawlessness is increased. I bring you to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, where Paul famously said, don't you remember when I was still with you? This is verse 5. I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now, that he may be revealed in his time. Who is the him here? Uh, the man of lawlessness. So there's this end times man of lawlessness who's going to show up and bring lawlessness to the world. We call him the dictator beast, uh, the beast of revelation, if you will. And verse seven, he says, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. So we don't have to wait for his work when he gets here. It's been at work for 2000 years. Lawlessness is increased and it's going to continue to increase until Jesus comes. And it says only he who now restrains it will continue to do so until he's out of the way. I believe that he there is the church or the Holy Spirit in the church. And then verse eight, it says this, and then the lawlessness will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders with all wicked deception uh, for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And so we are there, my friends. We are in a state of lawlessness. Uh, the legislature in Canada, the federal legislature in Canada just passed a law. It's called the C-4 bill, which prohibits converting anyone out of homosexuality or transgenderism or gender dysphoria. So if you try to convince anyone that homosexuality is a sin now or, or wrong or transgenderism is not true or you should you know, not be transgender if you have gender dysphoria, that is now punishable and it is a crime. Uh, it is a crime to tell people not to change their gender when they want to do so. So what's going to happen? Lawlessness and more uh, more dysfunction is going to arise in the young people of that country. Uh, and now the offenses will probably be brought against, I'm sorry, the charges will probably be brought against pastors and Christian leaders, Christian schools who will try to live out their faith in, in that country. And 
if you don't think that that's coming to America, think again, because uh, President Biden has broken an all-time record for the number of LGBT-identifying staff members in the White House. Obama previously hired 50 or so, and and Biden has hired, I, I believe the number is well over 60. So you have these aggressive uh, lawmakers at the federal level instigating and influencing the president of the United States, the vice president of the United States, and the laws that he will pass or veto uh, from the White House, the most powerful you know, building in the planet. This is going to increase in our country. Eventually, it will be illegal. I believe this with all my heart. Eventually, it will be illegal for me, a pastor, to preach uh, the truth of Scripture regarding sexuality, gender, and marriage. I do believe that it will happen. I don't know if it will happen in my lifetime. I don't know. If it does happen, I want you to know I don't give a rip. I'm going to tell you the truth to my church. And if I have to go to prison for telling the truth, praise be to God. Because when our forefathers in the faith suffered persecution at the hands of the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders for telling the world that Jesus was the only way, they rejoiced and they were exceedingly glad that they got to suffer for the sake of his name. And I will gladly suffer for the sake of Jesus' name because he's given me everything that I am. He has made me everything that I am. Anyway, lawlessness. Back to the point. Lawlessness is in style. Uh, and not just in regards to human sexuality, in regards to laws, like like laws, like just the citizenry of America is under attack. Being a citizen of America is no longer uh, necessary because you can now vote in some cities as a non-citizen uh, for certain leaders of that city. When this happens, by the way, you're losing your country, okay? And so I bring you news out of New York City. They just passed a law that allows non-citizens to vote in local elections. So if you are not a citizen, you are an illegal citizen, legal immigrant of the city of New York, you get to vote. <laughs> you get to you get to tell the citizens who you know studied and worked hard to become citizens or were born there who their leader should be. This is New York. Uh, even the very uh, progressive uh, CNN commentator Jake Tapper wondered if this did not make a mockery of the idea of American citizenship and then wondered about those who you know, worked hard, studied hard, saved up the money to become a legal immigrant in this country. You know, they have to pass a citizenship test. They have to know the Bill of Rights, you know, things that people born here don't know to become citizens. And now you don't need to do that anymore in New York. You just get to vote for whoever. This is called lawlessness. Did you hear that Shanghai is doing it? Shanghai, China is going to let you Americans vote for their leaders. Did you hear that? No, of course not, because China cares about China. <laughs> This country doesn't care about this country. Uh, the leaders of the influential states and influential cities are making a mockery of the law. Uh, not only are they doing that, the new governor of New York, Eric Adams, has now added to the list of family and friends who he has given select high-paying jobs in his administration. So he just named his brother deputy commissioner of the NYPD a position that pays his brother $240,000 a year. Um, not sure about whether this brother has experience, but he is now the third member of 
Eric Adams' friends and family to get a position in his administration. Remember when they raked Donald Trump over the coals for hiring his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, during his presidency? Well, when Democrats do it, it's not a big deal. It's just part of what you do. Uh, this is, you know, this is the world that we're living in, though. Nepotism, favoritism, back backdoor deals for your family members, and the laws are coming down. Not just the laws about voting, but the laws about crime. So this also from the New York Post, the Manhattan DA is going to stop seeking prison sentences in a slew of criminal cases. Alvin Bragg, the new uh, DA district attorney in New York City or Manhattan, said his office will not seek a carceral sentence except with homicides and a handful of other cases, including domestic violence, felonies, and some sex crimes. Some sex crimes <laughs> will not be uh, 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 worthy of incarceration. <coughs> Excuse me. They will stop seeking prison sentences for hordes of criminals and uh, downgrade felony charges in cases, including armed robberies and drug dealing. So also in his uh, plan, no more life sentences without parole. No more at all. So you could commit the most heinous crime imaginable. You'd be a serial killer, a cop kill, kill, killer. And nope, no more sentence of life uh, parole, life without parole in prison. And then uh, what is it all about? <laughs> you guessed it. It's about racism. The, the problem is there's some black people in prison. So we have to change that. Uh, assistant, this is from the article in the New York Post, assistant district attorneys must also now keep in mind the impacts of incarceration, including whether it really does increase public safety, potential future barriers to conflicts involving housing and employment, the financial cost of prison, and the racial disparities over who gets time, Bragg instructed. So this is, this is just, this is social justice. All the, all the BLM supporters, all the people who marched, paraded, all the people who destroyed largely black uh, communities in the name of social justice in the summer of 2020, this is what you fought for. Now crimes against your grandma or your child or your wife <clears throat> in the city of New York City will no longer be prosecuted. Uh, people will be able to uh, steal with impunity. And this is what you fought for. See, and how you fought for it with the riots and the destruction of property without regard for peace and dignity in those communities is now going to be amplified in those communities as criminals run free in the probably the most influential city in our country, New York City. And, and it's called tri trickle down. Whatever happens in New York today will happen in the suburbs and in the other cities of America tomorrow. You see it all trickles out. It is, Tim Keller talks about this a lot. What, he, what we are wrestling with today in America, he was dealing with in the early 1990s as a church planter in New York City. So it's going to trickle out to the suburbs. It's going to become part of who we are. Lawlessness will be increased. And, and here's what Jesus says. Remember, he says, many Christians will no longer love the Lord or love each other. They will no longer have Christian faith because of this kind of thing. Uh, on the other side of the country, Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, is provo proposing a law that is going to provide universal health care for illegal immigrants. And Fox News reports the proposal, if allowed, will allow low-income illegals to obtain state-funded abortions. So the, the rule here is come to California from other countries and kill your child on us. That's the rule. That's what they're saying. This is lawlessness. This is 
This is all in the name of anti-racism. So, so come from another country as a different race. Uh, we'll pay for your health care and we'll pay for you to kill your child. Because why? Because we're anti-racist as we pay to kill your child with our tax dollars. Even Christians will be paying through the tax dollar system, through the tax system, for your abortion of your unborn baby of another race. This is where we, this is bizarro world, friend. This is called ridiculous news, right? And uh, it seems that um, the citizens of California, many of them are voting with their feet as U-Haul says that it is running out of, or it has run out of moving trucks in the state of California. So people are getting out of Dodge. People usually vote for with their feet, and this is no exception. Uh, the article here that I read says that the departures are not as severe in 2021 as they were in 2020, but California remained at the top of the list of outbound mi uh, migration amongst all 50 states. Illinois was second, Pennsylvania third, uh, Massachusetts was fourth. So California, Illinois, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and in fifth place was New York. Uh, five of the top six states leading the way in population decline are blue states, liberal stronghold states. I was born and raised in Massachusetts, uh, could deal with all the liberal politics until they started babying us during the COVID pandemic. And that's when my wife said, we got to get out of New England and praise God she did. Where are people moving to? They're moving to Texas and Florida. Yeah, Texas and Florida. You, you know those states where it's reported that the governors are intentionally killing people with COVID? Well, evidently some people are willing to be killed by COVID rather than put up with these insane laws, which are really just lawlessness increasing. So this is what happens, right? This is what happens when you celebrate lawlessness. The smart people get out of Dodge. Some people can't, some people can, but nonetheless, this is what's happening. And here's why it matters. Here's why it matters. Because I live by an adage in my leadership of a church and of a staff. And, and the adage goes like this. Whatever you celebrate gets repeated. Whatever you celebrate gets repeated. So as America continues to celebrate lawlessness, especially in the in influential areas like California and New York, it is going to be repeated. Okay, so if you want non-citizens choosing your governmental leaders— let them vote. That's going to be repeated. It's going to trickle out into the suburbs and into the other parts of the country. You want people to continue crossing the border illegally? Pay their health care with the taxpayers' money. You want more abortions? Let taxpayers fund them. You want more crime? Don't punish criminals and defund the police. Whatever you celebrate gets repeated. Oh, you want kids more and more confused about their gender? Keep doing things like this in the Ivy League swimming uh, department, if you will, department, field, whatever. Ivy League universities are now letting biological men compete and shatter female swimming records left and right. Yes, Leah Thomas, and I'm going to put this up on the screen. Leah Thomas, she's on the, he, she is on the right. Biological male at the University of Penn destroying left, right, and center records for female swimming because a biological male is swimming and with more testosterone coursing through his veins, he has got a unfair advantage. But guess what? Guess what? This person on the left, Yale University swimmer Isaac Hennick is a biological woman transitioning to a male and she beat him, Leah Thomas, in the women's 400 or 100 freestyle race. 
uh, it's getting hard to report on these news stories because <laughs> because these news stories literally undermine the English language. This is where we are. This is lawlessness. This is where our world is headed. And remember that the scriptures talk about this. Romans chapter 122, claiming to be wise, Ivy League institutions, they became fools. Ladies and gentlemen, these stories are coming from the culture-shaping cities and the culture-shaping universities. The soon-to-be leaders of our republic are transitioning from male to female, female to male. We're celebrating it. We're rejoicing in it as a culture. Nobody's saying anything. Oh, if you say anything, you're a hateful bigot. Me, that's me. I'm a hateful, I guess I'm a hateful bigot because I think this is nonsense. But these are the soon-to-be leaders of our country. You think it's going to get worse? No, my friend. Let me just tell you, tell you point blank. America's doomed. <laughs> I hate to be so dramatic, but it is so true. America is doomed. We cannot keep celebrating insanity. We cannot keep celebrating um, people just disregarding norms, biology, science, what is right, what is healthy. I remind you of what the great theologian and philosopher G.K. Chesterton said uh, last century about moving an ancient boundary stone. Scriptures talked about this too. Don't move an ancient boundary stone, right? The boundary stones, the mile markers, if you, the, 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 the border markers, if you will, of an ancient stone. You come across one, you see it there, and the progressive says, well, it doesn't fit where I want it to be, so I'll move it to where I want it to be. And the traditionalist says, wait a second, first, before we move it, let's ask why it was put there in the first place. This is where we are as a country. We're not asking why these boundary stones were put there. Look, gay marriage, homosexuality, uh, men dressing up as women, this is as old as the book of Leviticus. This is as old as the Torah. This is 3,500 years old. This is not new. This is not progressive. This is not advanced. This is regression. This is going backwards, not forward. There's a reason why the Jewish people survived uh, conquest and exile and deportation. This is why they're still cultural shapers and formers of our society. Why? Because they held to these beliefs. The Judeo-Christian ethic of marriage and sex and sexuality have propelled cultures forward and advanced them in success. But our country and the cultural West at large is jettisoning, jettisoning these ancient mile markers and boundary stones because they don't fit what we feel, and America is doomed. America is doomed. And by the way, 90% of America believes that America is doomed. I bring you to a poll from the Trafalgar Group saying, do you believe society in America and culture is in a state of decay or a state of progress? 77% across the board say America is in a state of decay. 13% are unsure. That means 90% of our citizens believe we are doomed. That goes 61% of Democrats, 86% of Republicans, and 82% of no party or independents also believe America is in a state of decay. I mean, really, do you think that we can survive this? We can't. Do you think we're going to last? No. We're going to go the way of the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire did not get defeated by an outside enemy before it rotted from within. And that's where we are. We are on the precipice of this. And I feel like I'm Jeremiah. I feel like I'm Jeremiah because I see my fellow pastors across the country, across the landscape of this country, I see them preaching these messages about 
only about people being awesome in Jesus' name. Oh, God's going to help you, bless you. God's going to make you amazing. God's going to, you know, empower you. He's, he's there for you, blah, 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 blah. But no call to repentance. No speaking to the immoral decay that is happening in our country. Why? Because we don't want to be, we don't want to be disliked. We don't want to be canceled. We don't want to be, you know, castigated as hateful, homophobic bigots. But someone's going to say something. And Jeremiah is in the Bible. Jeremiah is a book in the Bible. You know, there were several other prophets around the time of Jeremiah that were prophesying peace and security. And Jeremiah says, you know what? Well, you say peace and security, destruction is going to come upon you suddenly. And that's where we are right now. There are very few preachers who are stepping up and speaking about what really is happening in the world today. I think of one guy who has more guts than all of these cool church pastors put together. His name is John MacArthur. He's a preacher out at Grace Community Church in L.A. And he just preaches the Bible verse by verse. His, he's not charismatic. He's not, uh, you know, uh, flashy. He doesn't dress in skinny jeans. He just goes verse by verse through the Bible and tells the people God's word and God's truth. And his church has ballooned since the pandemic began. And they tried to take him to court and he got all kinds of money back from the state because you can't shut down religion in this country, at least so far. And I've got to give him props. i got to give him props. I mean, this is what's happening. Nobody's talking about the lies that we are getting. No, nobody's talking about the corruption where, where you've got CEOs of Pfizer that are former FDA board members and the chairman of Reuters is also on the board of Pfizer. So a news organization is run by a member of the board of directors for a, a drug company, one of the most corrupt drug companies in history, and they're pushing this vaccine on us, not, not two doses, not three doses, now four doses coming upon you. This out of um, the news, the CEO of Pfizer says two doses of the vaccine offer very limited protection. No, duh. Like now he's admitting this. And he says three doses with a booster offer reasonable protection, but less protection against infection. So now they're being honest. Like, yeah, our vaccines don't work. So you need more. <laughs> this is, this is insanity. This is lawlessness. No one's holding these people to account. Why? Because they're all good buddies, good old boys, patting each other's back, making sure no one, especially Dr. Fauci and the CDC, are held accountable to their lies and mistruths. Ugh. This out of the post-millennial, the CDC states that, no longer, that the vaccines no longer prevent transmission. I, I've been telling you this for weeks. Now they're admitting it. This just days after, by the way, the president called the latest surge a pandemic of the quote-unquote unvaccinated. <laughs> Look, I got COVID between Christmas and New Year. I think many people got it just around this past time of year. I think I got it from a vaccinated person, to be honest with you. I don't blame them. It's a, it's a virus. I can't stop it. You can't stop it. We can't stop it. I've been saying this since the beginning of the, of the lockdowns. My greatest fear of the lockdowns, my, my biggest fear of the lockdowns was we think they actually worked. Like, I, then what are we going to do? Shut down for the annual flu? Like, COVID is not going to go away. It's just going to continue to mutate and variate until it becomes endemic, part of our world. So Whoopi Goldberg gets it. She was triple vaxxed and masked up and did everything they told her to do. And she was shocked and horrified to get it. And then she blamed the unvaccinated. And the triple vaxxed AOC got it and has symptoms and is holed up in her apartment in Washington, D.C. The reports are that almost everyone getting this version of the disease, Omicron, is vaccinated. Vaccinated. So what's the point of the jab? Well, the White House always has an answer. 
The White House press, tech, press secretary, Jen Psaki, says, quote, you are 17 more times likely to go to the hospital if you're unvaccinated, 20 times more likely to die. All of those are significant, serious statistics. So, yes, the impact for those who are unvaccinated are far more dire than for those who are unvaccinated or for those who are unvaccinated than for those who are vaccinated. Sorry, that's miswritten there. OK, so you're 17 more times likely to die or go to the hospital if you're unvaccinated. But <clears throat> this out of the CDC, another admission Dr. Rochelle Walensky says the overwhelming number of COVID deaths among the vaccinated were people with comorbidities. So she's finally admitting, and and this is the number, over 75% of the deaths from COVID among the vaccinated are people who had four comorbidities. So really, these people are unwell to begin with, she said on ABC News, um, uh, Good Morning America. Walensky was discussing a study released Friday by the CDC, which found that 77.8% of vaccinated people who contracted COVID-19 and died had more comorbidities involved. Um, And then this, a report by the World Obesity Federation in March found that COVID-19 deaths were 10 times higher in countries with a largely overweight adult population, CNN reported at the time. The network was criticized. (laughs) This is so funny. The CNN was criticized not for their um, enormous amount of fake news, but for actually pointing out truth. (laughs) So you when you lie so much. And, and misstate so much and mislead so much, when you finally spe- say the truth, your fans will criticize you. That's how it works. So they pointed out in January that losing weight can reduce the risk of much more severe disease and even death from COVID-19. Things that I reported to you on this channel last year, for heaven's sakes. I have a video. Look it up. It's in the, it's, we'll put it maybe in the description of the video on COVID-19 is not a death sentence and that if you just stay fit, if you just stay healthy and do things that will help you stay healthy, you got a 99.999999% chance of living, even if you get the disease. But that's not what's going on in our country because we have to celebrate lawlessness. We have to celebrate what is evil and castigate what is good. And Isaiah talks about this, woe to them who call evil good and good evil. And I'm going to take you to something that we don't talk about, but we we are only talking about it from the wrong perspective in our culture. So the singer Lizzo, uh, maybe you know her. I don't know her very well or her music anyway, of her very well, very um popular singer, I guess, uh, comes and goes. They all come and go. Anyway, she had a massive weight gain during the holiday season, as we all do. And what did she do? She took to Instagram to celebrate it, (laughs) to celebrate her weight gain. This is from papermag.com. Lizzo celebrates weight gain. What a headline. Someone celebrates their weight gain. (laughs) We have lost our flipping minds. Not we. No, no. These people. These, these These preachers of evil. So this is from Paper Magazine. I didn't even know Paper Magazine existed until I saw this article. Uh, she sa- It says, amid a flood of proposals and well-deserved compliments, several messages thanking Lizzo for helping them embrace recent and or post-holiday weight gain with one fan writing, damn, she looks so good. Honestly, as a person who was just feeling a little down today because of realizing the weight gain I gained, it's so empowering, they continued, while another simply said, ugh, this make me just feel better. I love you. Uh, Lizzo has always spread body positive messages and has been a vocal proponent of loving yourself, lovers of self, at any size. Unfortunately, this also made her a target for, I love this phrase, fat phobic trolls. Okay, if, uh, if, I, if loving exercise and eating right and staying in shape can call, uh, makes you fat phobic, fat phobic B.I. 
Uh, Fatphobic Trolls, and though she usually masterfully handles these hateful comics, there have been times where she talked about how people unleash hatred onto, of course, black women because us big black especially on us big black girls. Granted, at least her latest post has just been all love and sports. So she's post this, I look good with my post-holiday weight gain. And it was like, yay! <laughs> You're more susceptible to death from COVID. Yay! Like, this is where we are in our country. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you my synopsis. America is doomed. America is doomed. And I don't know how long we're going to last. I really don't know. <laughs> But the signs of the times are upon us. Lawlessness, non-citizens voting, illegals, immigrants getting free abortions by taxpayer money, um, crimes no longer prosecuted, uh, thieving and stealing and looting, unpunished. And we think we're going to survive. And we think that we are a good country that should that should export its morals around the world. No, thanks. You know what? If I'm Pakistan right now, I'm looking at America saying, no, thanks. If I'm Brazil right now, I'm looking at America saying, no, thanks. If I'm any other country, I'm saying, no, doesn't look good for you guys. Don't think we want to import your values to us. Anybody, anybody still thinking that America's best days are ahead is not paying attention to the news. And uh, Christians, look, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry because God has always protected his people. He protected his people in Egypt under the rule of Pharaoh. He protected his people in Babylon under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar. He had protected his people as persecution rained down on the church. Sometimes he protects his church by taking them away. Sometimes he protects his people by putting them to death or allowing them to be put to death for their faith. We Christians don't worry about death because we know that on the other side of death there is gain. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. You've got to live these passages now more than ever because the world and its desires, as John says, are passing away. But the one who does the will of the Father shall endure forever. Amen. Anyway, that's the news that's the craziest going on in the world. Let's talk about something that can change your life. It's become a four-letter word in our world, but I'm going to talk about it today. Let's talk about work on the Deep Endopedia. You know what? Maybe I should have called this Deep Endonomics. How about that one? Yeah, I like that one better. So deep endopedia, deep endonomics. How about two and one? Anyway, here's the topic of the deep end omnomics. Love work. Love work. We still have a ton of unemployed people in this country. We have people quitting their jobs at record rates. Entire school systems cannot staff bus drivers, lunch servers, substitute teachers, and even teachers. And everywhere I look, and I don't know if you see what I see, I see help wanted signs. Employers cannot find workers. And I fear that the government is to blame. And I'm gonna tell you why the government is doing this, is playing a game. The government is playing a game with our economy to incentivize people to not work. I bring you to the child tax credit law that's part of Biden's Build Back Better plan. It sounds so noble. Let's give poor people more money. Let's give poor people, and by poor they mean people making under $150,000 a year as a married couple filing jointly. That's not poor. But if you make less than $150,000 as a married couple, you get $300 per month per child. 
So if you have five children, that's $1,500 government's paying you just to have kids. Now, <clears throat> who's going to benefit from this? What's been the result? I have talked about this ad nauseum on this channel. Higher prices for basic needs are going to happen, and they are happening. And inflation, which the Fed first said was going to be transitionary back in last July, is now saying is going to be permanent. So interest rates are going to rise and watch the economy start to sputter out a little bit. Uh, gas prices are higher than ever. Uh, not, not ever, but higher than the last 10, 15 years. Food prices, higher than ever. Basic price, needs prices, all escalating as employers cannot find workers, the supply chain is log jammed, and all the free money that the government keeps giving us is eaten up by inflationary prices and higher taxes. And then I bring you this research paper from the Becker Friedman Institute. The anti-poverty targeting and labor supply effects of the proposed child tax credit expansion. That this law to give all these families $300 per kid per month is actually going to hurt, guess who? The poorest of families, especially single parent families, because what it's going to do is going to incentivize single parent households to quit the parent to quit their job, which will create long run cost of deeper child poverty, less economic mobility and poor social outcomes. This report says, see, this is what happens when the government gives you money. It does not actually help poor people. It actually hurts poor people. It's not going to hurt the middle class. It's not going to hurt the upper middle class. Not definitely not, not going to hurt the rich. It's going to hurt the poor. So we can't do things that you know make sense. No, no, no. Again, we've got to celebrate evil and castigate good. So we can't celebrate you working. We want to celebrate and empower you not working, because this totally in incentivizes quitting your job. Uh, we don't want to lower taxes because that would actually encourage people to work and make more money and spend more money. No, no, no. We want to keep those taxes high and then give you free money back so that the government can play this little game of acting like it's your provider. It's the one who's going to take care of you. And if you don't think the government is out to do this, I got, I got a news item out of um, Canada that just is going to make you laugh. This, this, <clears throat> this man up in Canada, Manitoba, Canada, tweeted a picture of his wife, posted it to Twitter. And he must have been drunk because I cannot believe he posted this. Uh, his name is John Reyes. And I want to put this tweet on the screen. The tweet says, even after a 12 hour night shift at the hospital last night, my wife still has the energy to shovel the driveway. God bless her and all our frontliners. Time to make her some breakfast. Prayer hands. <laughs> This man must surrender his man card immediately. He should go to the doctor, have the doctor cut his testicles off and hand them to his wife because he is no longer a man. A man who lets his wife come home from a 12 hour shift and shovel the driveway is no longer a man. Mind you, this was five hours after he went to bed. How do I know? Because he tweeted at 3.44 a.m. the previous night or that same day, if you will, that he stayed up late to watch a tennis uh, match with two Russians who beat two Russians. Um, <laughs> so he's at 3.44 a.m., about to go to bed, tweets this out, wakes up at 9.8.18 a.m. His wife has worked all night, and she's shoveling the driveway, and he's just getting up to make her some eggs. 
And I wouldn't care about this except that the guy is the Manitoba, Canada, Minister of Jobs. <laughs> this is the guy who's in charge of the the work ideal in the district or where the territory of Manitoba in Canada. Wow. This on top of news from uh, Reddit. There's an anti-work forum on Reddit. Boasts millions of uh, adherents and it booms as Americans quit their jobs. This is from the financialtimes.com. Members of an online community encourage each other to resign and complain about the boss. Uh, so the, the tagline there under the picture, I don't know if you can read it there, it says the anti-work movement traces its ideology back to Marxist texts suggesting that humanity could evolve beyond the requirement to work for a living. Now, note that the article uh, is in some ways talking about the Marxist roots of this movement of quitting your job, complaining about work, not working, uh, thinking that you work too much. And I talked about Marxism on this channel, and maybe we'll put that video down in the description as well, about how anti-God Marxism and communism really are. In fact, anybody who says to you, Jesus was a Marxist or Jesus was a socialist or Jesus was a communist is so detached from history of these ideals, it's not funny. But the article talks about these things, these people called idlers. These are people who are quitting their jobs. They're members of the anti-work movement. Uh, they call themselves these things. They, they, they call themselves idlers. Largely, they believe that people should strive to work as little as possible, and preferably for themselves. Many who have stopped working say they operate their own micro-businesses, like this person named Ford in the article, or work as few hours as possible in part-time jobs in order to survive. Maybe some of them are selling their farts. I don't know. Some of them take on roommates or raid dumpsters for food to reduce their cost of living. So this is the question <laughs> that I have based on this article, which is, is working a low paying job worse than dumpster diving for dinner? I submit that it is not. I think you should work the low paying job rather than jump into a dumpster for din din. I can't believe that this is the question we have to ask, but evidently there's this movement, this pro-Marxist movement that work is evil and we should work as little as possible. What's behind all this? Is it really about the rich exploiting the worker? I, now, I won't disagree. I'm a pastor, and I, I have people, low-wage employee, employees in my church, right, that do honest, hard work for a living, don't get paid much, probably are underpaid, but they're Christians and they know what the scriptures talk about when it comes to work. You should work with your hands. You should mind your own business. You should be quiet. Make a living. Take care of your own. Take care of yourself, right? And I don't disagree. As a pastor, I don't disagree that some employers really do exploit their workers. They don't pay well enough. They don't take care of their employees. They aren't good to their staff. Um, I won't disagree that there are some places of terrible employment. And if you are in one of those places, you should probably look for work elsewhere. There are help wanted signs. If ever there was a time to find a better job, it is now. There are help wanted signs everywhere. And I would suggest, however that there is a value to low-paying jobs. There is a value. And time served climbing the ladder is time well spent. And if you can find a place of employment where there's opportunity ahead, go for it. Take the job. Work hard. Mind your business. Because these workers are in short supply. And I, as an employer, know this well. And I'm watching my daughter experience it. My daughter, God, arrest, God bless her. God bless her. God bless her. My daughter, God bless her, is working hard at a crab seafood restaurant, and she just got uh, 
she just got promoted for the second time in the restaurant, and she's months away from a third promotion where she's making good money now. And all she's doing is going to community college at night while she's working during the day there and picking up as many shifts as she can. And she's making more money than ever. And she's climbing the ladder and she's getting a college education credits so that she doesn't have to overpay for, you know, in-person tuition and cost of living. And then eventually she's going to go for her last two years to the college of her choice and graduate with a degree from that university. God bless her. She's doing what is right. And she's working a low-paying job, an entry-level job. What's she getting? She's getting real-world experience. She's, mar- she's managing their social media channels. She's promoting the business. She's learning how to do these things so that when she graduates college, she will have real-world experience behind her so that she can go to other employees and say, I've done this before. I can do it for you. Look at my track record. See, Marxism promotes this idea that the employer is evil. The, the man is evil. The rich people are evil. The poor people are virtuous. And so we need to tear down the systems and redefine it in the name of equality, which will really only produce one equal outcome, and that is an equality of poverty, while the powerful and the government will get fatter and fatter. And just look at the communist uh, USSR for evidence and watch look at the history of the Politburo and uh, how socialist countries work where it is the governmental leaders who live in luxury and the average ordinary people who live in poverty, destitution and poverty. There is this movement in our country to undermine work. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment, because it's very evident why it's all rooted in Marxism and something even deeper. So the article goes, continues and says, we may consider... This is quoting historian Benjamin Honeycutt of the University of Iowa... It says, we may consider that there might be an alternative to living our lives in thrall thrall to the wealthiest among us serving the profit. So again, this is this anti-capitalist, anti-free market ideology that, you know, universities are foisting upon our children ad nauseum, right? He says, maybe there are other things to do with our lives than piling up profits for those that are ultra rich and taking that time, reclaiming that time. Okay, look, he's wrong, this this. University of Iowa professor, because most of the employment in this country is happening through small businesses, and most small business owners are not ultra-rich. They are they are probably middle class, maybe upper middle class, but they are not ultra-rich, okay? And if you serve them well in employment, they will promote you. They are looking for people to promote and to empower. I guarantee you the large, vast majority of them are doing so. And I just wonder here... If historian Benjamin Honeycutt of University of Iowa professor whose books on the history of work are featured in the Reddit subreddits library there are free. I wonder if they're free. Nope, they're not. They're on sale at Amazon in the paperback version for $29.95. And that is a very expensive paperback book. That's a very, even the Kindle version is $22. So this guy who says, let's not pay, let's not work to fund these people is charging $30 for his book on Amazon. By the way, I should mention that you can buy my book written by someone who appreciates work and employees for much less money. 9.99 Kindle version, audiobook or the paperback version is 14.99 and I have a copy right here and I I encourage you go ahead and get it. Search Tim Hatch Move on amazon.com. Um, I am living proof that low-level entry employment can lead to you writing a book, becoming an author, finding your most satisfactory position in life, 
as I have, I have come to, I have come to, okay? My first job, I hated it. I was an outcast at a very small hardware store in Western Massachusetts. I was an outcast because everybody in the hardware store except me was related to each other. They treated me like an outcast. They treated me like an outsider. I worked hard nonetheless. I did my job. I earned my money. I got out of there and I swore I would never go back. And God used that to lead me to uh, employment in the restaurant business in college. And I had bad bosses. And I had back and forth with bad bosses. And I became a server eventually. And I made some good money as a server. In fact, I just worked hard, worked as many shifts as I could while going through college. And I graduated college, I kid you not, with $1,000 of student loan debt. And I paid it off within three months of graduation. My first job in ministry was a part-time job. And I worked as a part-time youth pastor in a job that I did not like for six years. And then I started a church with a couple of people from the church where I was a youth pastor. For two years, I did two things, planted a church and youth pastored, okay, part-time. And those were two tough years of my life, but it taught me how to be resilient. It taught me how to get stronger. It taught me how to become more you know, time management conscious. It taught me how to lead people, feed people, how to organize my day, how to discipline my body because hard work is not a curse. It's not. It's a blessing. It makes you a hard person, a tough person, a, a person who can accomplish things and, and fight through things. And, and, and listen, listen, most importantly about work, God works, right? God works. He is a worker. The scripture says this in the very first two pages of the Bible. Genesis chapter two, God goes to work, makes the world. Genesis chapter two says on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. He rested on the Sabbath day from his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on God, on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. God is pro-work. And by the way, just so you know, he put them in the Garden of Eden to work it. Look at this here in Genesis 2.15. The Lord God put the man in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, eat of the garden and of the tree of knowledge, good and evil. You shall not eat for in that day you eat it. You shall surely die. Look at how work and the law, work and the law go together. God's first words to man, work and don't do certain things. The law and the work. God, the scripture says God has put his law above all things, his name above that. But work is right there just below the law. Right. In fact, one of the one of the uh, commandments, ten commandments, is about work. Six days of the week you shall work, and on the seventh you shall rest from all your labor. The psalmist rejoices in the work of God. Psalm ninety-two, verse four: You, O Lord, have made me glad by the work of your hands. And by and and so back to my point: mankind is made to work. We are made. You will not feel satisfaction in life if you do not work. I, I guarantee you, you will not feel the, 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 the joy of accomplishment, the, 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 the satisfaction of development, personal development, professional development, just disciplinary development. You are not made to play video games all day. You are not made to eat potato chips and sit and watch Netflix all day. People have done that during this pandemic, right? You've learned that it is old and stale after a while. It gets tiresome. 
Oh, so, you know, we're putting the man was putting the garden to work it to keep it. God made work part of our human condition. Deuteronomy 8, 17. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the power to get wealth. Wealth from work is a God-given gift. I want to say that again. Wealth from work is a God-given gift. We don't curse wealthy people as Christians. We rejoice in God's gift to wealthy people, provided they did so honorably and admirably, right? God gives us the power to do that. Then New Testament, 1 Thessalonians 4, make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands just as we instructed you. Then people who are not believers will respect the way you live. Look, our testimony, our testimony is at stake here if we do not work and then you would not need to be dependent on anyone. If you're constantly with your hand out as a Christian, stop it. This should not be you. You should not be hand out. You should be hand up, hand down, giving, celebrating, sharing, because you have earned a living and you're providing for yourself and you can provide for others. As 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some of you walk in idleness. By the way, this is our social media development uh, uh, d dilemma right now. When you don't work, you walk or you social media in idleness. You're not busy at work. You're busy bodies scoping out everybody's life, commenting on everybody's posts, constantly, you know, sh uh, people watching from a distance. And this is why people are so depressed now because they're not working. They're just watching other people and what their lives are about. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Look, you, you, you need to have such a schedule that you don't have time to scope out everybody's life on social media. You need to have such a busy schedule that you don't have time to get involved in sinful habits and activities that will ultimately destroy your life. That's another thing that work does. Work protects you from idleness, busybodiness, gossip, slander, and most importantly, poverty. Uh, Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Look, this is God's word regarding work. And let us not forget most of all that not only does God the Father work to this day, by the way, Jesus comes not as a politician and not as a senator and not as Caesar. He came to us as a humble carpenter, Mark 6, 3. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph? This is who we worship, a man who, Jesus Christ, who worked a low-wage job to provide for himself and later his mother Mary after Joseph's death. And ladies and gentlemen, if Jesus did it for the lion's share of his life, 30 years of his life, he worked. And only three years of his life, he ministered and healed and, and preached. If Jesus did it, we should do it. But there is this undermining of work in our country. There is this, this incentivizing people to not work in our country. And the poor people are paying the price. Look what it really comes down to. Here's the ultimate sinister underlayment of this entire experience. The government wants to be God. The government wants to be God. Now, this is nothing new for the governments of the world. And if you read the Bible at all, you'll pick this, this narrative up real early. Pharaoh was considered God in Egypt, and he demanded that the Israelites 
were to be their, his slaves. Nebuchadnezzar considered himself God and wanted everybody to worship his statue. Same with his son, Belshazzar. Same with Caesar in the New Testament. There was this allegiance that you had to speak out if you were confronted by a member of the Roman army, that you had to say, Caesar is Lord. It was a political statement. You had to say, Caesar is Lord. If you said, if you said Jesus is Lord, they would kill you. So saying Jesus is Lord was a political statement to say, no, not, not Caesar, Jesus. I serve and worship Jesus Christ as the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. He is my God. Herod was so obsessed with being God that he murdered the boys in Bethlehem, two years old and younger, to try to wipe out the messianic arrival. And today the government wants, the American government wants to be your God. Today the American government wants to be your gentler, kinder, more philanthropist version of God. That's why they want to give you everything. They want your children by providing you free daycare, not just free, but paid for by the taxpayers of our country. They want your teenagers. That's why they get mad when public school boards are challenged by what they are teaching them. They want them to have free college education run not by God-fearing adherence to the scriptures, but God-denying secularists and progressivists who are denying science and promoting gender dysphoria. They want your dependency, offering you free healthcare and vaccines to fix everything that could potentially go wrong with you. What is a vaccine but the government's promise of protection from the big bad virus no other no other solution just their vaccine made available to you by the thriving big companies of big pharma moderna and pfizer injecting you three four times maybe one time a year who knows they want your family the government wants your family giving you money for every child and incentivizing fathers to leave mothers and mothers to leave fathers they want your marriage by redefining it to be anything by which it has become nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, the government wants to be God. And this has always been the case. Who has the allegiance of your heart? God or the government? And I want to submit to you in my final thoughts that the number one way to keep the government from being God is for us to work hard and honestly and then model generosity. Yes, this is our calling as Christians. Like this is now the countercultural movement of the church. This is it. Get a job, work hard, save money, be generous, tithe, tithe to your local church. Don't tithe to this channel, tithe to your local church. You can support this channel, but <laughs> tithe to your local church and give and be generous live modestly. Don't flaunt your possessions. Don't post your car on social media, your house. This is not relevant to other people's lives. Live modestly, humbly, and generously, and mind your own business. That is the new way to be countercultural. Amen. Well, tomorrow night I will be back with a deep dive. I am excited for that. I hope to see you tomorrow night. Deep dive with Tim tomorrow night. Yeah, returning soon tomorrow night, 7.30 p.m. Uh, I am so glad that you were here. Support the channel if you will. Would love that. Thank you for so much for helping us pay the bills. I do not make money from this channel. This is the labor of love. The Deep End is brought to you by TimHatchLive.com. Again, you can go there and check it out for all the swag and especially my book. Make sure you check it out. Tim has live across all social media channels. If you would do me a big favor and leave a review 
uh, on the podcast app. That would be great. And if you got my book, by the way, at Amazon.com, could you leave me a review and leave it as a five-star review? Uh, like the channel, uh, like the video if you would. Subscribe to the channel. Give the beard some love. And make sure that you click that notification bell now so that you are notified every time that we go live, like tomorrow night for The Deep Dive. It has been a pleasure bringing you this content. I know it was a long episode, but I got back from vacation. I had so much to say, and I had to just, I had to just vomit it out on you. All right, God bless you guys. Have a good Tuesday night. See you tomorrow night.